Kelsey Steele some time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. Welcome on in to Steal Some Time. I'm your host, Kelsey Steele, joined by my co-host, Scott Stewart. USL Championship play is back. Scott, how are we doing this fine Tuesday afternoon? Fantastic. You just said four of my favorite words, USL Championship is back. So it's just like, I couldn't be happier, you know? Music to your ears. I know. It was a great weekend of games, too. I wasn't lying when I said that people would be impressed by the quality of play that they saw in the return. And I know we'll get into it, but we had three, four just unbelievable rockets this weekend. Um, so I think that it's safe to say that the league has delivered so far. Now I've got my fingers crossed that League One follows suit this weekend. I mean, you were so hyped about it. You made it out to the Rowdies game. I did. I did. Thank you, Lee Cohen. For the, um, the allowance on the friends and family, I was able to sneak in there. Uh, obviously impartial. You know, I don't root for anybody necessarily. Or- but you're always hyped when someone scores a last-minute winner. You know what I mean? So I was sitting there like, this is cool. I missed it. Um, but honestly, like, if I could be real, maybe one of the saddest parts of it was looking over to the Ralph's mob end and seeing just a handful of people. And to be fair, like, they had the drums going, they had the flags going, but like it just really hit me how much we miss fans and the atmosphere that they create week in and week out. Um, so yeah, it was a great weekend of games. I just, I can't wait for the moment where we see full stands again, because it's what these players deserve and it's what's the, what this league deserves too. Well, I mean, there's so many people right now when it comes to sporting events and sports coming back in general that are like, I am just, I just want to go to a game and like have a beer, sit down and just like enjoy, you know, 90 minutes of action or or whatever sport it may be. And obviously our league is unique in the sense where like right now we're the only one where you have that opportunity as a fan, everything else aside for you to be able to sit down and like, and look out there, see 90 minutes of action. How, how did that feel? Was it like, I'm I'm obviously like a huge nerd about it too. Right. So like (laughs) to hear the players talking and to hear, you know, head coach, Neil Collins, head coach, Stephen Glass for Atlanta, like shouting instructions at their players. Um, You know, when, when Leo Fernandez scored their winner for once, the, the noise of them celebrating was not drowned out. So like, while it was unique and while I'm looking forward to fans being back I was, I am very grateful for that opportunity, that other side of it. You hear Forrest Lasso barking at people. You hear Mustafa Dumbaya constantly encouraging Sebastian Dalgard on the bench, like, go, go, go. You've got to go forward, go forward. It's just like, it's so cool to hear their intricacies. And it's an experience that we're often robbed of. Um, but let me safely say that when this is all over, I never want to hear them talk again because I will take fan noise over player noise any day of the week. Just trying to do their part. They're <laughs> really just trying yeah, to do their They did well. Like, they, they made up for it with the celebrations. Like, they still screamed. And, of course, there were a few fans, so we were able to hear a little bit of it. But, like, there's just nothing that can replicate the roar of the PA and the crowd response to, like, something that electrifying, you know? But um, it was nice to see a little smoke still popping off in the stands because where there's smoke, there's goals. And when there are goals, there's soccer. So we'll take it. Did you just come up with that? Was that line like Lily just pulled out? <laughs> ah, doggone, you know, I absolutely did. Matt, feel free to cut that one later if you'd like. <laughs> Post. It's gold. That's gold. It stays in. Oh, that, that, 
definitely that definitely stays in. But I mean, it, it's like an easy transition into all our, our week one thoughts. I mean, you're on the scene for for Tampa Bay's return to play at Howling Stadium. They obviously come away w- with a win. Tampa Bay, let's move on back here to you know four months ago and then that first second week of March, they were one of those teams that debatably one of the most talked about teams, I believe, in the offseason. I mean, who correct me if I'm wrong there? I think they had a lot of expectations. And as we we really had no idea what to expect, I think, coming into this, you know, return to play scenario. You and I talked a lot about this. We really did not know what these teams were going to look like. I think, you know, fatigue was to be expected. You know, these guys are, we have no idea if they were going to be match fit or not. I mean, you can train as long as you want, but not actually playing a, a full 90 minutes. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, so when being on site for that, seeing Tampa Bay come away with that win um, over the weekend. Were you satisfied with that performance from the whole no, side? No, not really. And I don't think they will be either. Um, and that's kind of the encouraging part, right? Like for the overall quality that we talked about, like even, even talking to a couple of Rowdy's fans there, like none of them were super impressed with what they saw coming back. I mean, I got to give credit to Jackson Conway who scored Atlanta's first goal, right? Like Atlanta – They go down a man within 10 minutes. Lewis Hilton misses the top left corner with his free kick by about five inches. Mm -hmm. And then they go down on the other end and Conway pulls out a 30 yard loop over Evan Loro's head. Like it makes me encouraged because I feel like a lot of the teams with a younger average age, they come out with a little bit more energy. And we saw it in Sacramento last night with Tacoma taking a lead within a minute. You know what I mean? Like some of these teams are coming out just flying. And I think, It caught Sacramento off guard. It clearly caught Tampa Bay off guard. But what you're looking for is a resiliency in play, right? So the Rowdies go down 1-0 at half. They come back out. Wantahata is able to create a goal um, for them to pull one back. And then obviously it takes until the 87th, 88th minute for them to get a winner. But I think at this stage, if you are a quality side and you're aware of your quality – What's most important is taking the progression to getting back to being the top side that you want to be, right? It's okay if on July 11th you aren't waxing opponents like week in and week out, right? Like this is okay to be here. Three points is what matters. Notching up wins, getting back to it, getting back to a regularity. What you want to do is be waxing teams in September and October when it starts to get real again. I feel like this first – you know, or second week of games here is going to be so much of of a learning curve in a sense. I mean, you obviously all the, all the protocols, you're not, your match day routines are not the same. You know, it's, it, there's so many different things, you know, Cody Lurney is going to talk to us a little bit about that later, how, you know, it's just, it's not what you are used to. So prep preparation, everything like that is so different than, than what a lot of these players are, are used to dealing with. But I think, what we're going to see here when it comes to to week five and week six is how some of these uh, clubs respond to to these new scenarios because I think those are the ones that we're going to see come October a lot stronger and it might some of these clubs it really might surprise us. I mean, I, I can tell you one surprise off my head that looked like Phoenix did not miss a beat over the over the weekend. Um, I it's it's shocking when we talk about some of these guys who, you know, are going to have a, a little bit of, a, of an adjustment period. But it's like, it's almost like Phoenix just like 
stepped off of the field in March and then just like plopped back on and the second week of July and we're like, hey, we're back. Oh, wanna play some soccer? Okay, let's let's do this. Oh, Salma Sante, wanna get over two goals and an assist? All right, why not? Like I'm used to doing this. I mean, it, it was like night and day. That attack is insane though, to be fair. Like, the amount of energy that Phoenix packs in their front four, front five even is just stupid, right? So I think if they beat Portland, what, 6-1, 6-0, 6-1, one of the two, and then they come back and they beat L.A. 4-0, I'm almost wondering in their heads if 4-0 wasn't enough for them. Uh, just because you look at their intensity and you look at the way that they play, right? That team is maybe, and I'd have to, I'd love to hear Nicholas chime in, maybe the only team in championship history to score 10 goals in their first two games, right? So to be able to come back and put a stamp on that performance, I think – they are one of the teams that is obviously going to continue to hold themselves to it in a higher and higher standard every single week, right? And that's not to say that the teams like the Rowdies don't or, or Sacramento don't, right? It's more just to say that there are going to be teams that are going to be in advantageous positions, whether it comes to opposition, whether it comes to fitness, whatever it is. Indy was another team that impressed me a lot coming back, another team that looked like they didn't really miss a beat, right? So I think – Yeah, and that's going to be one of the cool parts about this process, right, is who is going to come back and continue to fly out of the gate? Who's going to come back and take a little time to find their footing again? And who's going to come back and just be a disaster? And I don't think we've seen a disaster yet. I don't know if we will see a disaster for a few weeks. But it's just it's – a, it's a true testament to – the different playing styles around this league. It's a testament to the varying levels of quality around this league that some teams are going to come back and really pop our eyes open for good or bad. Um, I'm just glad we got a lot more good than bad this last weekend. I'll tell you one um, club that really turned my head this weekend was New Mexico United, because I think that um, one thing that can be said about this club in 2019 is it was this. It was a massive roller coaster with it. I mean, you really, you know, they, they struggled a lot on the road at certain times, had trouble closing games at certain times. So 2020 for me was going to be, you know, really interesting to see how they dealt with, you know, some, you know, severe losses in, in Santi Moar and, you know, how they were going to, to realign, I, I think, in 2020 on top of all of the other conditions. And, oh, my God, Salih Muhammad's banger heard around the world. I wasn't working this weekend. I, I was back in Cincinnati for a family event. My phone is, like, going nuts. And I'm like, all right, I better just, like, make sure everything's okay. And I'm sitting there. It checked my feed, and I'm like, Holy crap, this finish. I mean, it's like, this is all you really, I mean, obviously safety and precautions, everything done by the book. We obviously really wanted that, but to also have something just massive to come out of week one that just brought week, week three, I should say so much excitement. And it's like, God, I've just been waiting for for this waiting to see this on my feed you know waiting for just something to bring joy to to people you know across social media and the soccer sphere and i mean i think that goal surprised a lot of people in the house at, at the time and you know all of us on, on our feeds as well but i mean it went absolutely viral and um i it was it was it was a pleasure to kind of have that feeling again i think when, when you look at your feed on, on the saturday night scott yeah, I, I had, mean, if, I had to watch it twice to make sure I saw I saw it right. Like I wasn't yeah. sure what I saw was the correct thing when I saw it the first time. 
just the way that he takes it out of the air too, like the, the technique on that, if you took me out there on the field and gave me 19 tries, all 19, I'm either whiffing, it's nowhere near the goal, or it's gone so high in the air, you're mistaking it for a hot air balloon or like a projectile missile. You know what I mean? Like to his ability to nail that down and like really, really give New Mexico the boost that they needed out of the gate. I feel the switchbacks were a little hard done by. Um, they had that, that bit of an unsolved mystery in the second half that I think they um, were upset with a, a linesman call. But it is New Mexico's resiliency is what got them over the line. And again, I think that's, that's what you're looking for a team that has as much veteran leadership as it does, but also as much young energy as it does is can they combine the two to really come to a strong conclusion, right? That's, I feel like, where a lot of this came from last year was maybe a hot start, maybe a not so hot start, but no matter what, it just seemed like the finishing aspect wasn't there every single week. Of yep. course, it remains to be seen whether it is going to be there every single week, but like man alive, if we could have asked for a better goal to highlight our weekend, I think we would be extremely greedy because that thing was insane. I'll, I, it may not get the goal of the year vote just yet. I'm hoping we get even more of those to come, but man alive, what an incredible hit. That kid deserves every bit of social clout he gets from here on out. It just felt good. Like, it, and it was something that we all needed to see, and I'm sure it felt really good for, for him as well. And, I mean, I just don't want to understate the level of difficulty to take that out of the air and, and, and you know, the, the way that he did what he did to finish it. That was – absolutely incredible that's it that is such a um refined skill that is not easy to do and he made it look just absolutely flawless you know it's good when i'm not just seeing it on the championship account or i'm not just seeing mike watts tweet it i'm seeing like espn go after it i'm seeing bleach report go after it like when you see random people tweeting out a salim muhammad goal clip you know that it had to be something special and it absolutely was and special it was. And I think that if there was any club in my mind that needed to get a, a win in this first week and return to play, it was New Mexico United. I think that when you talk about from a morale standpoint, I think that's a club that really needs to start on a, a positive note. And I think that might really, really do them some good here coming in, in the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. A big three points for them. And obviously, um, they're on the road for the foreseeable future. So to go to Colorado, a team that's done really, really well under Alan Koch to sort of rebuild its identity um, and had a solid week one showing before four months of random inaction, um, it's a big result for them. Just disappointing for Colorado Springs, who I think still has a bright future. San Diego comes away with the win. We talk about um, uh, Indy coming away with the win, Tampa Bay, New Mexico, um, El Paso. I mean, Phoenix, the one that we obviously haven't gotten to just yet is the Louisville and Pittsburgh meeting at Lynn Family Stadium on Sunday, which was on ESPN2. Um, and, and the world got to see the beauty and, and majesticness that is Lynn Family Stadium. Um, first and foremost, I just you know want to give a kudos to, to Brad Estes and, and everybody over at um, the Louisville City side because um, what they've put together there um, is obviously, you know, six-plus years uh, of hard work and planning, and they put together something incredibly special, and I cannot wait to see that stadium on TV more and more because, I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. 
Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, it was literally everything that we were looking for. And I want to give a giant shout out to our friends at ESPN for capturing every single angle possible on the ESPN2 broadcast because I, I had this vision. I know you, you saw it back in November. I was lucky enough to see it when we were there for the USL Championship Final. And I was a little bit worried that we weren't ever going to be able to show the world, not in person, what that building truly looked like. And I was proven very, very wrong and rightly so on Sunday. It's just no matter how you look at it, inside or outside, from the East Stand, the West Stand, the Estoppel End, it is just a gorgeous building, an incredible field. Um, and unfortunately for Louisville, probably not the way they wanted to open it. Um, but listen, there are going to be many, many good games in that stadium to come as well. There are. And um, I think we we would be amiss not to mention the the game in itself, because I think that the day as a whole is spectacular and the unveiling of the stadium is, is phenomenal. Um, but I think if I'm John Hackworth and, and you know, his technical staff, I'm frustrated coming coming out of that game um, on Sunday. I think that there were quite a few defensive breakdowns and, and errors there in, in that back line that you're not used to seeing with, with the Louisville side that in, you know, year after year has been so strong on that back line. Um, so, and I, obviously I think there's some things to, that, that they need to work out on that end, but I mean, two costly, costly mistakes. I mean, we're talking the difference between a 3-1 win and a 1-1 draw mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and I think that, you know, you're Louisville, you go back to the drawing table a little bit and you think about, you know, what, how are we going to clean this up? Because this, this can't happen week after week, especially when we see the talent that they have on that roster and, and how deep they all are on that roster. That is a phenomenal side. And it, like we said earlier, that may work itself out in the coming weeks, you know? And, um, but I, I think from the same thing being said, I, I was so, so, I wanted to the best way to say this um, proven wrong. I think when it comes to that Riverhound side, um, I think this was a Pittsburgh team that I was extremely unsure about. I didn't have a ton of confidence in, um, but here we are time and time again, Bob Lilly is just like laughing in my face. You know, I, he, he finds a way to really put together a, uh, a, a solid game plan coming into that match. And I think that was a big part of Sunday. I think there was a lot of prep there, um, but Pittsburgh looked looked good. I, I they really they really settled in. I think that was a, a big part. It was um, you know that first 20, 30, 40 minutes was a, a, a really kind of surveying the lay of the land. I think if you're Pittsburgh and really capitalize on that moments when when they were to come. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, Louisville lining up the way they did. I was extremely interested to see Corbin Bone and Cameron Lancaster was still sort of the double midfield of, of Paolo Del Piccolo and Speedy Williams. Um, and, and I don't think that there was anything wrong with the setup, right? I think you said it very well. Playing out of the back as much as they tried to without being as, as fresh as maybe they wanted to or being as in rhythm as they wanted to obviously came back to bite them a little bit. But I'm starting to believe that Bob Lilly's sole motivation in life is to prove people wrong about his style of play. I slacked Nicholas on Sunday morning and I said, what are the odds that, that uh, Bob Lilly goes into Louisville in this new stadium and comes away with a point in a nil-nil draw, right? And Nicholas, to his credit, slacked me back within five seconds, like lightning speed. He must have incredible 5G up in North Tampa. (laughs) Um, But he hits me up and he's like, I don't think it'll be – I think it's actually going to be kind of high scoring. Like, I think the Riverhounds are going to go in there and go for the throat. 
Um, and we saw it, right? I don't think that any of us predicted that that's how that game would end up playing out, right? Like Louisville taking the lead, Pittsburgh slowly climbing back in, and then one becomes two, two becomes three, and before you know it, like it's over. Um, but, I mean, the, the credit goes entirely to Pittsburgh, who last year was the higher seed between the two in that playoff game, and Louisville had to do their own fighting back to end up overcoming it and reaching the championship final. But um, Bob Lilly and, and his Riverhound squad showing that, once again, names may come and go, but the, the Riverhound style and the way that Lilly Ball is implemented will rarely change, if ever. I don't know if we'll ever see a more disciplined team in this league. And I can, I, I don't have a problem standing firm in, in that statement, because I think that um, Bob Lilly just kind of finds a way to do something with whatever squad he's dealt that given year. And no matter what they're, they're going to stick to that, that certain style of play and be incredibly disciplined in that, that game plan for that specific day. Um, His Rochester sides were built the same way, right? Like his Rochester sides were super defense heavy and super built on like catching you off the break. I'll never forget one of my biggest moments of nerve. This was before I had even begun working for Lou City was the 2017 playoff game when Rochester came to Louisville. And I remember thinking that of all the teams that I saw Louisville play that year, Rochester was going to be the one team to do it if there was one team to do it. And they nearly did it then. Bob obviously leaves and goes to Pittsburgh, starts building this this new club with the same identity, and man alive, like I feel like they were hard done by last year in the playoffs, and I'm kind of worried for the rest of the Eastern Conference that if they continue to lowball this side, that when it matters, they may still be there. A little bit of revenge for Bob Lilly and his side um, on Sunday. And then, of course, the ESPN2 coverage just continued with the Black Gold Derby between OKC and Tulsa um, on Monday as well. Um, obviously, the complete opposite end of things, not nearly as high scoring, a 1-1 draw out of that one. Um, but I, I, it was really nice, I think, at least from my point of view, to see a rivalry on the big stage on a Monday night as well. Um, and Everything really, really looked great. And um, I we of, I don't know if feisty is the right word, but a uh, fun FC Tulsa side. That was one of my takeaways from the game this year. Is I think um, this FC Tulsa side is um, not going to be afraid to do things a, a, a little differently and have a little bit of um, you know fun and, and pop with it. So I'm really interested to see um, what they're what they're going to look like here in, in the coming weeks. Their attack is dangerous. Like yeah. they, are, they had a, a link up play early on, probably the first 10 minutes that like, I don't remember who it was. Someone like back heeled it over their head to Ariel Martinez, who's making a run, who picks out DaCosta at the back post. I saw five seconds and I was like, this is not the Tulsa that I'm familiar with. Right. It was like not even 10 minutes into the game. Oh, it's insane. Right? right. And, and those black and gold jerseys are probably as dangerous to my wallet as they are on the field against opponents. Cause again, once again, if there is a team that like looks as good playing as they do in their uniforms, my vote now, my hand is raised. It's got to go to Tulsa this year. I know, I know the on-field metrics are the ones that count, but like, there has to be a small shout out for how good black and gold looks on the big screen. Um, yeah, if uh, we're going to comment on anything, I'm not surprised in the slightest, Scott, that you go for the jerseys and suck up a little bit with FC Tulsa. So I'm sure we'll be hearing from our guys. That's an interesting there. word. That's, a, that's an interesting phrase to throw out there. Can I just admire something that looks really good on national TV? Come on, somebody. Let me hear it's, it. It's all about intention, Scott. 
It's all about it's all about attention. And listen, when you look good, you play good. I think that's the athlete phrase of 2020. So yeah, look good, feel good, play good. There right? it is. Thank that, you. That's how it is. Obviously, Not only happened, only so. seven games up to uh, up to this point. Um, final words here on week one, Scott. Who impressed you the most upon the return to play weekend? Phoenix, it's probably got to be Phoenix. I mean, just coming out, just absolutely flattening LA too. Um, looking forward to seeing what comes this coming week. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break, but we are going to be joined by OKC Energy goalkeeper Cody Lorendi when we come back. Cody is hands down one of the most recognizable names in this league. And no, I'm not just talking about the legendary beard here. He's been with OKC since 2016 and over that time. He's been super active in the community, on social media, and most recently with uh, the USLPA as well. So we're thrilled to have Cody on and catch up with him a bit um, and talk about his thoughts on uh, the return to play and, and everything in between. So stay put. We'll be right back with Cody Lorendi. Hi, I'm Sebastian Gonzalez from the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and you're listening to Still Some Time. Cody Lurney joins us now. Cody, thanks for stopping by the show. Of course. Guys, thank you so much for your time. We're pumped to have you on. And, Cody, the last few months, they've been one of the most unique experiences of our lifetime. I mean, we were just talking about that before we went on air. Um, I think it ended up being like a four-month hiatus in total before we resumed play last Saturday. What was the most difficult part for you during this entire time off? I think it was, uh, I, I think it was the requirement of being reactive rather than my natural tendency is to be proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was probably one of the bigger uh, aspects of this is, is, is changing how I, I go about my day-to-day um, you know, activities, if you will. Um, because of uh, new information that was coming out regarding the, the, the pandemic um, and our general schedule being kind of thrown off. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, having to react and, and work in that, that headspace rather than being proactive was, it was challenging. Um, but uh, again, things are constantly, constantly in flux and you have to kind of deal with, with, you know, what is thrown at you and, uh, and, and work forward. You know, the USL championship play, it's been unlike any other scenario. I mean, this return to play scenario that, that we've laid out here at the league, there's no bubble. It is unlike anything else out there. So can you explain a little bit to me what those protocols have been like at OKC? What have those experiences been like for you as you guys have kind of had to move into your new normal? Of course. Yeah. And, and I'll preface it with here at the energy, they have taken every precaution they possibly can uh, to make us feel not only feel safe, but to be as safe as possible. Um, I'll take you through a general, uh, you know, day in the life, if you will. So we show up to our facility. Um, we have staggered arrival times. So five minutes, one player goes in five player next, so on and so forth. Uh, early on, when it was only uh, small group training, really didn't affect us as goalkeepers because we're always in our small groups, you know, three or four of us uh, to begin with. And we're always a, a good distance away, as most goalkeeper unions are, away from the, from, from the field players. Um, so that aspect didn't really affect us too much. I would say just preparing for a session, we obviously didn't utilize our locker rooms um, all, you know, tape and, and other equipment was brought in by us. We are responsible for washing our own jerseys. Um, 
So things like that were a little different. Um, I know I sound like a prima donna. I have to wash my own clothes. Wash his own clothes. What is this? What is this? Exactly. (laughs) Um, uh, But uh, upon arrival at our training facility, we're met by our trainer. Um, We, they, they asked us a few questions. How have you been feeling uh, over the past, you know, 24 hours, so on and so forth. As long as you pass that, you're good. They take your temperature. As long as you pass that step, you're allowed in. And all of this is being done behind the mask, right? So I arrive in mask. Um, our head trainer administers these questions and the, the temperature check uh, with a mask as well. As long as you clear those hurdles, you're able to, to come into the facility uh, and then train uh, as, as much as usual as you possibly can. Um, getting closer to our, to, to our return to play was when we were able to really get into these group sessions. Um, uh, but prior to that, we had to be tested. So once a week, um, we do the nasal pharyngeal, the, the, the one that goes way up here, it tickles your brain, right? Um, again, they have been extremely professional. Um, they come in, they do the one swab here, one swab there. You know, it's uncomfortable, unpleasant, but uh, I think for general health and peace of mind for my fellow teammates, um, it's been it's been pretty it's been pretty well ran. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned the um, what that testing protocol is like. Um, uh, I think there's probably you know a few things I could have gone my whole life without seeing, and it's it's the videos of you guys all being. All being I, yeah, I can't. That's something. Yeah, that's something I can't even. I don't want to watch it. Yeah, exactly. I've seen it a couple of times. Tyler Vaughn, you know, our front office wizard, if you will. He uh, he posted a video of him doing it. I couldn't even. I didn't want to watch. It. I was like, oh, <laughs> give me the creeps. It's the kind of promotion you're like, okay, this is the one exception. I'm I'm good with with us. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) But I mean that's so important. I mean, having these protocols in place is what makes this return to play scenario happen. I mean, without all of that in place, this this would not be moving forward. What one hundred percent. One hundred percent. And I think a, a massive part, honestly, of, of the return to play is the ability to get all of these, uh, or you know, quite a bit of these championship matches on ESPN two and ESPN Deportes. I mean, that's huge for the league. Um, and, and you were on one of those um, ESPN two broadcasts on Monday when OKC hosted Tulsa for the Black Gold Derby. What was that feeling like when you know in that pregame setting with your teammates on Monday, especially with that stage that you guys were all going to be on? Yeah, well, again, I'll take you through another day in life. Yesterday was was strange as well. You know, generally you show up directly to the stadium, right? You walk in and uh, directly to the locker room. This one was a little different. Um, show up at our training ground. Um, we change uh, into our pregame uniform uh, at the training ground. And we actually hopped on a bus um, and bust to the stadium. Uh, so that was that was definitely different as well. Um, as soon as we got to the stadium, straight to the locker room, and within 10 or 15 minutes, we're warming up for the match. Um, and, you know, it, it was the, 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 the fact that we are on a national broadcast, it obviously heightens the excitement. But from a player standpoint and the, just the general knowledge of the quality that is in this league, it's where we should be. We, we should be on a national stage mm-hmm. um, because – from top to bottom in this league, the amount of quality football that goes on, um, in my opinion, 
should be there every single week. Um, especially now where, where you, you know, you know, ESPN or whatever national broadcast is, is not necessarily inundated with live sporting events. Um, for us as a USL as a whole to, to be broadcast on a national stage um, is, is incredible. But at the same time, at this point, it's expected. It's my time. Personal. It's time. Yeah. Like, give me chills when you were saying that. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the, it's the truth. <laughs> I mean, this is the first game back for you guys since the postponement in March. So, I mean, you have all of these scenarios running in to this game on top of being on a national stage. But there's also the fact that you're arguably playing your biggest rival. And, you know, there's is there an added level of intensity or even adrenaline because of that? I mean, you have all these scenarios and all these factors at play. And then they're like, oh, on top of it, you're going to play one of the biggest rivals that you have in the league. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're always, always that, that extra level of um, amplification, if you will. Um, and you know, in this rivalry, in the Tulsa-Oklahoma City rivalry, since I've been a part of it for the past five years, um, there's been up years and there's been down years on both sides uh, in terms of, uh, you know, team cohesiveness, quality of play. Um, the, the fact that, you know, both teams are, uh, you, you know, talented and, and competent um, makes everything, everything so much better. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's uh, – there is an added level of excitement when you are playing your rival, but um, you kind of have to, you can't, in my opinion, you, you can't uh, play an entire season uh, based strictly off of emotion. Um, you know, emotion gets you 15, 20 minutes uh, <laughs> into the match and then, uh, you know, cognitive ability and, and, and thoughtfulness and um, general professionalism gets you, gets you to the, to the 90 plus. Jesus, line of the day. We'll have to get that made into like a quote graphic or something, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a big storyline from the championship's return to play also was the overwhelming presence of the support for the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think between, you know, with training tops, armbands, uh, jersey additions, broadcast adjustments, I mean, there was a, a big presence the last three, four days. As a member of, of the USLPA Board of Directors, what can you tell me about the conversations you had with other players across the league leading into week three's return to play? Yeah, of course. Um, look, one, if not the best things about what makes football great is the diversity. Um, and, it, you know, with the current climate in today's world, um, if, if there is a member of not only our team, but of our society as a, as a human race, that is marginalized, that is, that is treated unfairly, unjustly, then we need to, we need to recognize that and we need to uh, collectively come together in support of our fellow human being. Um, from an internal standpoint, look, the, the league is, is made up of, like I said, extremely diverse backgrounds of individuals, you know, color of skin, uh, religious beliefs, you name it, we have it. Right. And, 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 uh, you know, if, if one group, if there's an issue, we all have an issue. That's how we look at it Co collectively together. And that is the only way that is the only way we can push, uh, push forward in this world, push forward for meaningful, positive change, um, and really leave it 
and I say it as the world as a whole, better than we found it. I think there was a, a photograph taken of Julie Ertz and, and Casey Short. I think it was last weekend, um, you know, within the last seven days or so, just showing that that raw emotion on the field with everything that's going on. They're returning to play. Everything that is going on in, in the world right now, you feel like there's a, a sense of, of brotherhood or, um, you know, support coming through, at least within that um, locker room. And I say locker room because scenarios, of course, different at the moment with, with you and your teammates yeah yeah um you know and credit to the to, to the women's league they uh you know they, they were on tv before anyone and and i uh i, I do follow quite closely because i grew up with you know tony presley i grew up with katie stengel i grew up with ashlyn harris all these girls uh are more talented than i could ever be uh i'll, I'll say that and i say that wholeheartedly uh, but you know, had the had the the the, uh, the pleasure of growing up with them, um, and seeing seeing their work, uh, you know, firsthand. Um, but again, credit credit to those the, the females who really have led the way with this. Look, mm-hmm. you know, we we were on you know ESPN last night, but we were far from the first to to really show um, the support, if you will, that that this sport brings out in one another in this country. I love that. And it's honestly been really great, I think, to see on the, the sport industry side of things as, you know, it's starting to come back into play, the unity we're seeing on that side. Absolutely. There's, there's been so many strides over the last few years to get soccer-specific stadiums up and running in this league. And one of our ESPN2 broadcasts this weekend was at Lynn Family Stadium, and where that was showcased, you know, for, for the first time. OKC has, you know, submitted their own proposal as well. As a player, how does it feel to have projects like this in the works and know that a few years from now, there could be many Lynn Family Stadiums around that you could be playing in in this league? Yeah, from a personal standpoint, that's the that's the carrot, that's the dangled carrot for me. I, yeah. I professionally, I want to be able to say that I've played in this brand new downtown stadium that um, was approved last year by our uh, by our local government officials. Um, and I was uh, I was lucky lucky enough to be a part of that. Obviously, we have great ownership um, here in Oklahoma City, so I was able to kind of play my small part part. Um, and, and kind of and sit in on those meetings or just listen from a, from afar or, or read up on it. Um, and not even from a strictly an energy standpoint, uh, but from a multi-use downtown stadium that can be utilized as an outdoor concert venue, uh, high school football, state championship venue, lacrosse, um, rugby, you name it, it can take place. Um, having conversations with, a, you know, maybe not a – not, not a soccer fan who may oppose the idea. You have to explain to him like, look, let's be realistic. 17 games a year, 17 home games a year, right? Times that by two. If we train in the stadium, then the, you know, the day before that's, that's over 300 days a year that our local Oklahoma economy can utilize to their benefit. They can, they can hire more people. They can hire, they, they can, they can bring in, um, let's say a musical artist that may go from Dallas to Kansas city on their tour, right? They can stop in Oklahoma city. Whereas before wouldn't have been the case. So 
for me personally, I look at it, yes, through the lens of my selfishly, my, my footballing career, I, that's the carrot that I'm dangling to myself is saying two, three, four more years. I can, I can do this. I can do this because this is what I want ultimately. Um, but from a, uh, a state and a city as a whole, I look at, at the downtown stadium as uh, a massive, massive economic impact. And I mean, it, when you talk about selling a stadium project, that's huge. That's, that's really going to make a difference. And I imagine from the player side of things as well, walking into a stadium like that, it, it changes everything when it comes to a, a game day atmosphere and, you know, even the, the playing conditions and everything like that. It's, it's got to be a, a sense of um, accomplishment for you guys when you eventually do kind of get to that spot. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'll also say this and just being, you know, full, full transparency, you know, we're getting to a point now as a league where, um, you, you know, other teams are able to uh, use it as a bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, I guarantee you, look, Louisville's past success speaks for itself. They are, they're a class organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but that cherry on top in terms of, Hey, you know, come play for us, you know, a brand new stadium. That's <laughs> That doesn't hurt. I'll tell you that much. It <laughs> so. doesn't hurt to, to look at from the fan yeah. side of it either. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> the gorgeous, gorgeous broadcasts on Sunday. But Cody, as always, appreciate your expertise and, um, you know, you're, you're such a, a pleasure to have on and, um, you know, one of the, the my favorite interviews and favorite people to talk to in this league. So I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on and um, shed a little light on everything that's going on right now. And, um, Wishing you, of course, you know, safety and best of luck here in in the coming weeks. Kelsey, thank you so much for your time, as always. Hey, this is Amobi Okugo, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. Scott, I I feel like I say this time and time again, and I'm just like echoing myself at this point, but um, Cody Lorindi is like one of the most genuine players you know, nicest dudes in the league. Um, I had the pleasure of getting to know him super early on here when I started with the USL. And um, each year he just becomes, uh, I think, not only a fan favorite, but um, I think he's he's an HQ favorite as well. Just somebody that's a a really good example of the league. And, um, you know, it's it's really awesome to, I think, to have somebody like him be a part of a lot of the good things that are happening here right now. And I think, like, yes, absolutely. And I can only echo all of that about him. But one of my favorite parts about him specifically, right, is in this league, I think he's a great microcosm of the type of athlete we have in this league. Easy to talk to, extremely personable, just gives off this very humanistic, obviously, vibe about him. And it's easy to see why he's become a fan favorite in Oklahoma City. It's easy to see why he's become a league-wide fan favorite. He's just a great guy. And obviously, it's his perspective on a lot of what they have been going through over the last few months is extremely valuable for us to hear, but also for fans to hear as well. 
yeah, Cody is just a, a top class guy. And so I'm really pumped that we were able to have him on. And in, in the interview, he talked a little bit about um, the Black Lives Matter movement and, and everything that's been going on across the league like that. And I feel like it's only it only makes sense for us to acknowledge that as our social moment of the week. Um, you know, if, if you're a fan of this league, you've seen the last three or four days, the effort that's been made um, from the club side of things, player side of things, broadcast, um, the uh, amount of things that have been done to support what's going on in this movement. I think one of the most notable was adding in that 15 seconds of silence on the broadcast before the game starts. And then, of course, I want to acknowledge the coming out of half and acknowledging the healthcare workers as well to just um, really important causes right now. And I'm really glad from a broadcast side of things, we were able to, to capture that because I think it, it was, it's, it's really, really important to, uh, to really convey the unity that we're seeing right now in uh, across our league. Yeah, 100%. And uh, my brother worked the Indy 11 game when they hosted St. Louis and he texted me and he said, seeing these people kneel on TV versus experiencing it in person. And I can, I'm a testament to it because I saw the Rowdies do it. The emotional pride that I felt in these players in their ability to use their voices for good, um, our ability to support an incredibly valuable civil rights movement that's going on right now, as well as the healthcare workers who have put their lives and their families' lives on the line for the last few months. Um, without going too deep into it, like it was just a very sobering moment. It was just very, very cool to see. And I couldn't be more proud of the clubs who have taken initiatives well above and beyond even just what we've seen on the broadcast front. We even have clubs like, um, you know, San Diego and, and Birmingham off the top of my head that have actually created kits, um, you know, know, with the names on the back. Yeah. And uh, I, it's such, such a nice gesture. And um Again, I just uh, just want to echo the last you know few months seeing the, the unity across this league. I think that was a no brainer um, for for a social moment across the week. I do um, want to say that we had a, a runner up for for social moment of the week that came last night. Um, you saw it. I saw it. I think most of you know USL saw this. Our my boy Chad Johnson throwing. <laughs> Some love to OKC and Tulsa. O Ocho Cinco himself tuning in to OKC and Tulsa on ESPN2. Um, I think our, our guy Court Jetski was offering him a tryout. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll see Ocho Cinco, you know, hopping on as a nine or something here in, in the next few years in a USL kit. I, I don't know, but uh, that that was definitely not something I expected to see last night. Where, where do you awesome. where do you play him? What position you put him he's at the nine? Powerful winger, man. I mean, he's he's long touted his yeah, athletic ability. Yeah. He's got to be a winger. Yeah. Who Scott? If you could place Ocho Cinco on any club in our league, where would you place him? Wow, that's a great question. It just came to me. I didn't even plan this. It's a really good question. I think it'd be a lot of fun to see. I've got to see his footwork first, though, right? Like, I've got to see the technical ability before I put him here. But I think it'd be awesome to see him leading the line in Phoenix with Junior Fleming's on one side and Stolo on the other side and them just, like, the intricacies of their play. If I'm Corey Whalen, my job is done if I just launch the ball 50 <laughs> yards and watch them 
chase it down and put it in the back of the net, right? But um, I don't know. If, he's, if he can play with it well at his feet, which I will never doubt that man's ability, um, let's see him in, like, Indy. You know what I mean? Let's put him in St. Louis. Let's see what's possible for the gang here. Uh, but we can keep dreaming <laughs> for, the, for the time being. But we're talking about week ahead at this point, Scott, and you're looking at, at by the end of this coming week, every single team, every single USL championship team will have which is super exciting. Um, and again, a few more ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes appearances as well. Um, one that, if you know, sticks out right away, of course, is our um, Wednesday night meeting between um, Birmingham and Memphis, um, which, you know, just brings back so many early March, <laughs> early March memories. Um, for those of you who don't remember, uh, the, the Birmingham found a ton of new fans overseas there in early March. Um, so hoping to, to reignite that friendship here this week on ESPN, too, with, with their foes. But all in all, I think, I think that one will be a nice test. Um, for each side as well. But I mean, I, I swear, I, mean, I think I feel like I circled this game every single year when we see it on the calendar, but o Orange County and Phoenix on ESPN2 as well on Thursday night. Um, I don't know if you can necessarily say that there's still a rivalry there, Scott, but I feel like um, these are these are two Western Conference sides that um, just have too much history for there not to be a little bit more to that meeting. You know, do you agree? Yeah, I do. I think if you ask Orange County, there's still a rivalry. I think if you yeah. ask, they may disagree. But that's kind of what makes it like this, like, batting and meeting of heads, right? Is like, I feel like Orange County, rightly or wrongly, kind of gives off a little bit of the little brother mentality of, like, competitively, we haven't been where we want to be. And we obviously haven't been able to match Phoenix there. Um, I am not going to say that's going to change this weekend. But I think Orange County is a lot better than they have been in years past. Even that 2018 team that made it that far, I think they've got a lot of potential this year. Um, one thing that we have to mention as well is this is not the same week one Orange County team. Hello, Chandler Hoffman to Orange County. I don't know if that just kind of like slid under the radar a little bit when all these announcements were being made, but the hometown kid's no longer with Birmingham Legion. He's off to Orange County. Uh, you have to wonder what that's going to do to, to that attack, um, you know, over, over at Orange County. But, man, I'm, I'm excited to see that on, yeah. on Thursday. Thomas Enobolson and Chandler Hoffman, hopefully both available. You just signed on loan, obviously, but now you have two of the most historically proven goal scorers in the championship. That's exciting. I love that. I hope uh, it's offense against offense, honestly. Like, I hope it's just a slugfest. Like, give me like a 5-4 and y'all can decide who wins it. I love that. I, I love that. And of course, ESPN two carries on the rest of the week with um, Tampa Bay and North Carolina meeting on Friday night. Um, we haven't seen North Carolina yet. So it'll be interesting to see how they're going to, they obviously have that extra week of preparation. So coming into Tampa Bay, hosting their second week um, in a row at Al Lang, we'll be interested to see how, how those two align, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, I, is there an Eastern Conference side at this point, Scott, that you feel coming out of this second week of play sticks out to you? I mean, is any still the one that you feel like people have to be shooting after? Yeah, they're they're probably the easy pick, right? Yeah. But I mean, I really Friday. I thank you for leading into that naturally because I I think there's so much potential 
in both North Carolina and Tampa Bay. North Carolina lost a 1-0 to Louisville back in March in their season opener. They did not deserve to lose that game. I think North Carolina is maybe a lot better than we're estimating right now. Um, and I can't wait to see him take on a, a big challenge on the road um, in Tampa Bay on Friday. I'll, I'll do my best to sneak in again and, and see if I can give another fan perspective. I'll be there as well, so be sure to give me – on now. Opposite stands. I had a whole row to myself last time. There wasn't anyone directly in front of me or behind me. So, like, if I get that yeah, VIP treatment in there like, – isn't that normally how it goes for you when <laughs> you go to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everywhere I go, I don't know if it's social distancing or what they call it, but listen, I'll take it every single week. <laughs> a fun week ahead for us as we move into week four. Um, I believe five total games between ESPN two and ESPN Deportes, um, and of course everything else you'll catch on ESPN Plus. So we're back in action, baby. But before we get there, we've got to bring it back. Shots fired is returning. To the stage, Matt Calvo. I'll let you take it away. Hello, everybody. I'm Matt. Welcome back. Return to play. Here we go. Return to shots fired. <clears throat> so we've been looking forward to this for several months now as we've been all uh, locked in at home. And uh, it got me thinking as we come back, return to play, what is something that you very much looked forward to that met your expectations? lived up to the expectation when you finally experienced it question yes kelsey Steele. um may i provide a visual aid oh well it yeah i mean it won't work too well on the podcast but it'll work for the uh video podcast yeah sure. so if anybody wants to look at it i just i to, to further prove my point okay. okay so do you need a moment to prepare your visual aid then should scott go first Scott i can't might- remember who won week one or not i think kelsey won week one Probably. Got to go. Probably. <laughs> so uh, you, get, you have the right to defer or go first. Well, Scott, go. There it is. Classic. All right. Well, Scott, 30 seconds on the clock. Go. Now? Yo, yeah. Okay. Go. All right. Um, I mean, the, the easy answer for me is, is Louisville's new stadium, right? I think that, that just the ability to, to open up a, a venue that's significant, you've got 11,700 in the stands, you've got a 15,000 capacity. It might be a little bit before we see that building full. But again, the sign of progress in the championship, we are going to see many more soccer-specific stadiums come down the road in this league, and that'll be just as incredible as anything Louisville has accomplished. But this is the jumping off point. This is the moment of significance. To allow that club who is us to be on ESPN two, just a big deal. All right, give you a little bit extra there for the. For the I deserved. Side. I didn't know the counter started, so like Good I just thank you. Scott yeah. goes for the heart there. That's just that's so tough. I don't know. That was a very PR answer, though, Scott. Yeah. Wow. It's almost like I don't just tweet for a living anymore. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelsey, with your visual aid, are you ready? I'm ready. Go. Okay, I'm big on vacationing. Obviously, the first thing that you do before you go on vacation is plan where you are going to eat. And you know that I killed it when we went to Austin, Texas. The thing I look forward to the most was going to Terry Black's Barbecue, which was the most extravagant meal I've ever had in my entire life. Look at this jalapeno-infused sausage, um, cornbread, Corn. I mean, like, this was the most extravagant meal of my life, and I couldn't even go out and get drinks after. I was so full. All I wanted to do was unbutton my pants and go to bed. It Time. Was- On that note, with that line. Just give it your <laughs> name. 
ending on that line, that's time for you. Um, may may I? Ending line. May, may I contribute? Sure. So, um, as as you two know, I'm a bit into the Star Wars. No. A little bit. Um, going to Galaxy's Edge or Star Wars Land at Disney World for the first time ever. I I, I prepped myself thinking that I might cry upon walking in. Uh, I didn't. I was able to maintain my composure, but it, it was it lived up to every expectation that I'd ever had. And I being able to walk in with my son and, and and I said to him, you know how long I've been waiting for this? And he's like, no. I'm like, my whole life. <laughs> Wait, you took the day off work for that, didn't you? Uh, I, I, I don't know that we sh I should, I will neither confirm nor deny that. Personal day, personal day. I just want to like reaffirm how big of a deal this was for you. Yes. Yes. I did take a PTO day that day. I took the day off for Terry Black's barbecue, if that helps. Okay. Even. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, uh, well, yeah, that was, that's very tough. You both came with very different answers. Um, yeah. <sighs> Kelsey, you know I gotta go with the food. The visual aid was such a, a good addition, was it not? Big time. It was huge. Yeah. It's really what did it for you. Like maybe a jealousy. Maybe a jealousy decision too. That I just yeah. I've seen yeah. Louisville, I've seen Lynn Family Stadium. I, I haven't been to this barbecue. Louisville, just remember that that both of these people have picked literally a meal over a $65 million three-year development project. So just remember that next time they show up in your city. Scott, I'm a simple man with simple simple needs. And stadiums don't quite do it. You know what? I'll be the architecture nerd in the, in the group of us then. I'm okay wearing that badge. Give me a good meal in Lynn Family Stadium and, and then we'll, uh, we'll have a talk. Okay, that's fair. That's actually a great shout. I think they might be able to help you. I don't know. I don't really know anybody there, so. W goes to uh, K-Dog. She's 2-0 in 2020. Listen, Scott, it's all right. You know, sometimes you just got to take the L for you more often than not, but you're really good at accepting it, and I appreciate you being uh, a, a good sport. I think if anything, over the last few months, quarantine has just taught me how important it is to be humble. So congratulations. <laughs> you deserve this moment. I hope that you, you reap every single bit that you sowed for it. And um, looking forward to being back. On that note, Stu, it is great catching up with you again. Scott Stu, Scott Stu, Kelsey Steele, Matt Calvo. That's Steel Some Time. We'll see you guys next week. Mm -hmm.